0: Please be seated for our Bible readings.
1: The first reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 53 of the Old Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of Moses' call from the Lord in the burning bush to go and rescue the Israelites from slavery in Egypt to live in the promised land. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He said, I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that it is sent I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This my title for all generations. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your ancestors, The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have given heed to you and to what has been done to you in Egypt. I declare that I will bring you up out of the misery of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites. The Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. The second reading is taken from the letter to Paul to the Romans, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 162 of the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we read of our threefold calling as followers of Jesus Christ, to belong to Jesus Christ, to be saints, and to serve God in our setting. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared. To be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all God's beloved in Rome, who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gloria. Shall we pray together? Lord, may my mouth speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart bring understanding that your Holy Spirit would teach us the scriptures this morning to awaken our hearts, expand our minds and shape our identity in you today. I remember it as if it was yesterday, but in fact now nearly 20 years have passed. It was early September 2003 when the trajectory of my life changed forever. There wasn't a burning bush, nor did it occur on a significant mountain. It didn't even occur in a church. But it was a holy moment. A day when those sandals were asked to be taken off, barefoot if you like, before the Lord. And you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and the call of God upon your life to kind of change trajectory. Because like Moses, it was a path I didn't want to travel. Today we begin this six-week series looking at the book of Exodus. And you'll see through the notes that I've given you, six reasons why we're going to look at this book of Exodus for you to look at later. But Exodus is this book, isn't it? This, this epic adventure story, this story of salvation, of freedom, of deliverance. And pivotal is this man we meet today, Moses, the greatest Jew in Judaism. Also pivotal is the God that we get to know in Exodus. Previously full of generic abstracts and now someone who could be known. A God of relationships, a a living being who introduces himself so enigmatically that it's so mysterious yet so personal. So sacred and yet so intimate. The name still today that Jews just won't mention of God. Yet God who became known in this way more than 6,700 references from here on in in our Old Testament Bibles just have the word the Lord in capitals. A God who cuts a covenant of love with his people. A God who introduces himself in that most familiar Old Testament creed. Remember it, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. Whatever the Old Testament is full of, it's full of this that first appears in the book of Exodus. A God who listens, a God who remembers, a God who sees, a God who understands, and a God who acts. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three things from this Exodus story. We're going to look at, if you like, the role of God in calling Moses. We'll look at the other voices that we will hear in hearing God's call. And then we'll look at the symbol of Moses' calling. Here's what we won't look at this morning. We won't specifically look at how We hear God's voice in his calling because if you like, you can just go back to the message of the 3rd of April or if some of you were here on Good Friday in terms of how to hear God's call. Or of course, some of you might be following the Lectio 365 app this week and over the next two weeks that will be teaching you a bit more about how to hear God. So we won't specifically look at that. But we'll look at those three things. You see, it's said of Moses that his life was kind of split into three parts. If you like, the first third of Moses' life was that he thought he was a somebody, didn't he? Born a Jew by divine providence into the royal household of Pharaoh, living a a life of luxury in the king's palace. And then for the next 40 years of his life, the next third, if you like, of Moses' life, he found out he was a nobody, didn't he? banished from Exodus, left to be looking after sheep, wandering nomadically, both physically and spiritually in a wilderness, having long gone past the day of what his life had become. And then the final third of Moses' life, if you like the last 40 years of his life, Moses began to see how God takes a nobody and makes them a somebody I wonder, as you survey your life now, where you'd see it in comparison to Moses' three stages. It's actually quite significant, isn't it, when some of us might have reached the age where we want to slow down, that Moses' most vibrant encounters with God were actually in those final third of his life. We could say almost at 80, because that's how old Moses was at this occasion. Moses' adventure with God really began as he hears God's call for his life. This so precious moment that happens here. You know, that happens for any of us when we hear God's call for our life. As the writer Frederick beekner describes it, it's this moment, if you like, where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. In other words, it's a, it's a place of joy, but also need. It's the place that we were always meant to be. So why wouldn't we want that for ourselves? And so as we survey this scene this morning, notice three things about how God calls Moses. You know, notice how, as Gloria read it, God does the initiating, doesn't he? It isn't Moses searching after God, it's God searching after him as he speaks to him and grabs his attention through the mysterious burning bush that doesn't consume. And then notice, not only does God initiate, he introduces himself, doesn't he? It's not Moses introducing him, it's God each time taking the initiative, introducing himself. I'm God. God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and notice how it's God who then invites Moses that he's seen and he's heard of what's going on with his people in Egypt he understands and he's about to act You see, God could rescue the Israelites by himself. But he chooses to use Moses. To call him to be part of his plan. Just like God could do everything by himself, but he he gives us the great privilege of being part of the plan and helping him. I wonder, what might God be initiating in your life at present? Where might he want to introduce himself in some new way in your life? Where's he inviting you to join him in the great adventure of his call for his life? The role of God in Moses' call as the initiator, as the introducer, as the inviter. But here's what we also see as the story progresses. We realize that in this call or in this conversation that God might have with us, there might be chatter or interference on the line. You know, these voices, these other voices, will always seek to grab your attention. We see actually in this story as it keeps going on, five different voices that Moses has to overcome in terms of his calling. They're introduced in these words in the text, and you can follow them through and keep looking through as we go through chapter four as well. But Moses said to God. But Moses said to God. You know, I wonder if you've ever encountered any of these five voices. As Moses is stood bare feet with his sandals off at this burning bush. For these voices will come. These voices and similar. The first we read about in verse 11. And Moses says to God, But who am I? But who am I that I should go You see, Moses, if we know his story, he struggled with his identity. He just didn't feel qualified. He thought God had picked the wrong leader. And what was was God's response? It was pretty blunt, wasn't it? It doesn't matter who you are, Moses. What matters is who I am. Why? Because God equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. That's... How God works. There's the voice of identity. Secondly, we notice the voice of intimacy, don't we? Well, who are you, God? You see, when we think about it, Moses, if you like, didn't feel he knew God well enough. He didn't feel that, if you like, we might say he was a good enough Christian to be able to be called by God for this particular purpose. He didn't feel he could describe him to other people. He felt inadequate. And God's response was, was actually so incredibly intimate, wasn't it? As he introduces himself in this, in this way that he'd never been known before by anyone had never known God in this way before. It's the Lord, Yahweh, this Jewish name for God that still they won't pronounce because it's so sacred. I'm everything unique, Moses. I am who I am. That still today, maybe three and a half thousand years later, the scholars still can't grasp with because it comes. Through a relationship. A relationship that he wants with each one of us. Moses encountered the voice of identity. He encountered the voice of intimacy. Next door he goes on and he says, but what if they don't listen? Moses encountered the voice of in- intimidation, as I've called it. You see, going back to Egypt for Moses meant that he was just bringing back lots of memories, lots of history and lots of it not very good that people would still remember. What if they don't listen to me? And God's response this time was to actually give him something, to remind him of this particular day. You see, he worried what people's reaction might be to him. And so God gives him a sign, if you like, a symbol of his calling that we'll come back to in a moment. But Moses isn't finished. You'd kind of think by now he would have quit, wouldn't he, with God? He's already nearly six feet under, isn't he? And you'd kind of think, well, just give up. But he next heard the voice of inadequacy. But God, I've never been a good speaker. I just can't do it. And if it hadn't been a good speaker, it would have been some other inadequacy that he would have thought of. And this time, God just says, well, listen, Moses, guess who made your mouth? As Jesus would say in the Gospels, wouldn't he? he say, do not worry. Do not worry about what you might have to say in that moment or do not worry about where you're going to get your food from or what you're going to wear. Seek first his kingdom. Pray to him. And God will provide everything that you need. The Holy Spirit will provide the words you need in those particular moments, Jesus would say. As he would say in other words, God will provide. Or if it's the food to eat, the clothes to wear. And then Moses heard one final voice. The voice of inferiority. But God, I don't really want to go. I know you can find somebody else, which he could have. You see, Moses suffered from the comparison trap. You see, the classic sign of inferiority, isn't it? The classic sign of insecurity. He looked at somebody else and he looked at himself And he'd kind of given up on himself. He'd kind of been found wanting, if you like, in his own eyes. And so God lets him take his brother, doesn't he? Aaron with him. But he says, Moses, you're going. And so off Moses begins on this adventure. But I wonder when God's called you to do something in your life. Or he might be calling you to do something right now. I wonder... Which voices of those you've heard the most? Or which might shout loudest at the moment? And so God gives Moses a symbol. A symbol, if you like, a sign to remind him of his calling. He uses something incredibly familiar to his life to keep reminding him of his presence of his power, to keep reminding him of this day. That symbol was his staff. You see, what did the staff represent to Moses? You see, every profession, doesn't it, has a symbol. A footballer will have his football boots. A doctor will have his stethoscope. A priest would wear a a dog collar. A shepherd would have a staff. You see, the staff, if you like, represented to Moses, if you like, his identity in terms of who he was because every shepherd had a staff. The staff also, though, represented his influence because what would the shepherd use the staff for? He'd use it, wouldn't it, to influence the sheep, to steer them a particular way. But the staff also represents his income. Because all of his wealth was tied up in these sheep. And God says to Moses, lay down your staff on the floor. And so he lays the staff on the floor and all of a sudden, if you know the story, wonders start to happen, don't they? the staff just starts to do miracles. And all through that story, when, when Moses allows God to use his staff, wonders happen. But then he says to Moses, pick it up. And so Moses picks his staff up and it just becomes a stick again. As Moses would find out when he would just use that staff in his own strength, it kind of just lost its power and it just became A stick again. And what God was saying to Moses was, will you lay down that staff? Will you lay down all that it represents and allow me to work through you in your calling? Whatever that might be, whether it's your identity, whether it's your influence, whether it's, your income and see the wonders that I will do and from this point on Moses' staff if you like becomes the staff of God and so what's the symbol of your calling and will we lay down what our staff represents to God and let him work through us Because it became the symbol of his calling. The reminder, if you like, of God's presence and God's power. And so may we know that in our lives. Knowing God will do everything that he's promised. That his love for us is eternal. And he will complete the work in us. He has begun. In the name of the Father